I'm Alec Baldwin, and you're listening to Marketing Trends and the Leeds Art Week. There is one thing that every marketer would say they need, content. But what makes for good content and what makes for the best content? Is it storytelling? Is it authenticity? What content drives engagement versus what content is merely passable? Kristen Frank is a well-respected and highly seasoned media expert. And after a 20-year run at MTV, it's safe to say she knows a thing or two about content. My biggest advice is to not look at it as marketing. <laughs> look at it as content. Make sure the story arc works. Make sure it's compelling. Treat each individually as a separate piece of content and be authentic to the platform. And if you do that, you will have a relationship with your consumers that you can then speak to them in any way and they will trust you. On this episode of Marketing Trends, Kristen, now the CEO of Ad Predictive, explains why after a successful career with Viacom and MTV, she had the itch to ditch her comfy enterprise digs and roll up her sleeves with a startup. Kristen also explains why different forms of content resonate with various platforms and how to attack those different channels. Plus, she talks about how Ad Predictive is playing a role in helping marketers turn insights into advertising. Enjoy this episode. Your content is at the heart of what you do. It connects your company to others, teaches them, guides them, and inspires them. But creating, managing, and editing content at scale is often very chaotic and difficult. Empower your content teams with Brightspot Content Management System, made specifically for marketers and corporate communications leaders. No more waiting for a developer to have to piece things together. Put the power to create and deliver powerful yet complex digital experiences into the hands of your marketers with a comprehensive suite of ready-to-use tools and functionality. Bring a bright spot to your tech stack, your customers, your team, with the Brightspot content management system. Visit brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to learn more. Welcome to Marketing Trends. I'm Ian Faison, host of Marketing Trends, and today we are joined by special guest, Kristen, how are you? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. Yeah, great to have you on the show. Excited to chat about your amazing career at Viacom and now what you are doing as CEO at Ad Predictive. So we're going to get into all that. But first, you spent a bunch of years at, at Viacom. Tell me about the very early days. The very early days. Well, I, I will tell you that um, August 1st was um, actually MTV's 40th birthday. So it's hard to believe um, wow. I was there, you know, for about 23 years. So a little bit after the launch, but through most of the uh, the, the really wonderful times. And you know, I, I would uh, find just about everyone you could imagine, you know, riding up and down in the elevator, you know, having private concerts. Um, but at the end of the day, really trying to connect with our audiences and create unforgettable experiences you know, for our, for our viewers. And it was really an amazing experience, both at MTV and all across all of Viacom, because I worked across all of Viacom in many different roles uh, throughout those years. And flash forward to today, 
You're the CEO of Ad Predictive. Uh, tell us a little bit about the company and why you decided to uh, uh, to do this. Sure, absolutely. Look, I, I mean, I had an amazing career um, Viacom. Like I said, I, I met some of the smartest, best people in the entire world who are still very close friends today, and it still is an amazing company. But I was really excited to come to work at Ad Predictive and work with this really amazing team because they were solving the industry's hard problems, and namely. The companies today really can't effectively use their customer data to impact business outcomes. Um, I know that was you know challenge I had. It's hard. It's complicated. It's too expensive. Kind of the list goes on. And the entire platform that has been created at Ad Predictive is dedicated to leveraging data intelligence and machine learning to do three different things. Um, first is to drive stronger business outcomes, which is really the metric that is being used today and should be used today to drive complete customer understanding, because if you don't know your customer, how are you going to succeed? And number three, to drive media effectiveness. So, you know, that's really been, you know, why I came here and, and you know, we're working on some really fun projects um, with, with some of our clients today that, um, that are really helping them understand how to use, you know, smarter data uh, to understand their customers beyond, dem- their, you know, just demographics. And we're also doing like really crazy, sophisticated out there work uh, which is like training audience targeting algorithms on business outcomes and um, you know, like the addition of, of uh, streaming subscribers. So it's, it's really fun. It's a wonderful place to be. Okay. So tell me about the type of companies that you are working with at Ad Predictive. Well, the companies really go across uh, every industry. Um, you know, right now, we work with a lot of media clients, but also some D2C companies, um, and uh, very soon, we're going to be expanding into you know, travel, automotive, um, sports. What we do uh, really travels across every industry at this point. Yeah, that's amazing. Uh, you know, just with, with uh, obviously, you worked with all sorts of different folks in your, in your career at Viacom. Were a lot of those same folks, the same people that are looking for this type of solution? Absolutely. I mean, really, any company that has customers... And wants to reach them are looking for a solution like ours and to truly understand their customers and then to be able to reach them. And so, yes, advertisers at Viacom, um, that's the, the, the type of, of customers that, that we have. And, you know, ultimately, um, we focus really right now on the buy side. So bringing more people to, you know, acquisition, whether it's acquisition of subscribers, acquisition of new you know, customers and so forth. This was a big jump for you in your career. You recently wrote an article for Forbes about this, about going from a 23-year career at the enterprise level of Viacom um, to going into a startup. Why'd you do it? So what really kind of hooked me about you know, Ad Predictive and the whole idea um, is that the company is really solving the hard problems in the industry. And these are all solutions that I wish that I had had a partner for when I was at MTV as the COO and when I was at Viacom. So, you know, today we're working really right alongside our clients, um, leading the evolution of marketing. Uh, it's fun to be working with a team that's really solving a lot of the problems that, that I had, you know, at MTV. So, well, we've, we have many, many customers. One of our customers we've worked with for um, a long period of time, for about seven years. I would call them one of our advanced customers, right? So they've already gone way beyond kind of the data understanding part of the business, right? But when we started with them, in the early years, we really engaged with them on, on building more transparent and reliable media optimization tech because they you know, couldn't find non-black box solutions in the market. Um, and now with that tech, they're putting multi-millions of dollars in linear TV spend 
alone through that product. And then because we enabled them to have more control over their data and how it's used in media, they were then able to work with us to break down silos within their organization. And then we were able to develop you know, automation around their workflows and their processes. And that then reduced their campaign time to market by like 32%, which of course meant that they were out in the marketplace getting, you know, better inventory, you know, for less price. So it, you know, was more effective and, and more cost efficient. And, and now because they have, you know, control and visibility and automation of their data at multiple points in their marketing cycle, uh, we can really do advanced things with them like, you know, use machine learning to segment their target audiences based on their likelihood to convert to subscribers. You know, it's that kind of thing. It's that kind of, you know, disruptive solution. It's those kind of relationships with clients. It's um, the, the kind of things that, you know, I was always looking for when I was at Viacom um, is why I was so excited to join App Predictive because I get to do these things now. Yeah, totally. And so tell me a little bit about like your role before you left because you were, you know, you were an EVP, you were operating as COO for the MTV portfolio, mm-hmm. you know, overseeing a, a massive PL. It's a very, very different job, obviously, than, than going uh, into, into startup world. But what was kind of the scope of your responsibilities? So, I mean, I, you know, I was there for many years. My, I, I started off um, in uh, the distribution side of the business, really, you know, representing and, um, you know, driving the, the the distribution of all of our our networks across the whole media landscape, um, and then you know I, I I did a lot of entrepreneurial things. You know, at the company, I launched Logo there at Viacom. I was the COO and the second um, employee. You know, I ran all of digital across all of the um, music and entertainment properties. Um, and and when I was there, I also did you know just like I said, just as I did with Logo, a lot of entrepreneurial things. Um, I launched something that was kind of the first of its kind program called Always On, which is where we built out a modern kind of data-driven content publishing and audience growth unit, not unlike kind of what we're helping our clients do at Ad Predictive today. And um, that I did that along with, um, you know, being the COO of MTV uh, for the last couple of years that I was there. So I, I, I did a lot of uh, amazing things while, while I was at Viacom and it was a great company to work at. What you were building at, uh, at Viacom, it seems like a lot of other media organizations need that same sort of stuff. And it's, and it's obviously what you're building here at, at Ad Predictive. So like, where is the media world and the media landscape in kind of this emphasis to be more data-driven, emphasis to, to try to figure out their audiences better and that, that whole piece? Because it seemed like you were so focused on building you know, audiences in, uh, at Viacom, and now it's something that you're doing for, for everybody. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, you know, we're, we're definitely collaborating with our clients to, you know, fully understand who their clients are and, and how to reach them and how to do it kind of in a, in a cookie-less environment. And, you know, that wasn't really kind of what we were doing when I was, when I was uh, at MTV, but it's certainly, you know, what we're doing today. And it really, you know, makes it, uh, you know, possible for people to to truly activate and and find the customers that are going to create the longest, um, you know, LTV for them. Yeah. So you mentioned cookie list. This is what everybody is dealing with. We're all kind of in this mode of what is this future going to look like? What do you what do you think uh, is going to happen? What do you see? So, you know, we've been operating really, um, you know, without cookies for a long time now. In fact, almost for ten years, which I think you know makes us very differentiated versus others out there in the marketplace. This company was really founded 
you know, on an ID basis and a, a cookie list basis. You know, there are a lot of people out there saying that, you know, that they're moving from a cookie list solution. You know, they're either, you know, figure it out as they go, or, you know, they're moving their clients, you know, to a probabilistic strategy, you know, but we're able to really tell our clients that you can still, you know, ID target in media, you know, or use ID based insights in media. And it's because that we are able to um, have the ability to work with multiple unique identifiers, right? We use hash emails, we use IP addresses, we use mobile IDs. And by going beyond cookies, um, you know, we're really able to actively collaborate with our clients to use intelligence through the entirety of the marketing cycle, right? And we do that with products like our smart attributes with, you know, we have a product called algorithmic audiences. We do data hydration, um, we do attribution, and it's all kind of enhanced by um, our automated workflows and machine learning, you know, and ultimately we're empowering our clients to use data intelligence at scale, you know, in ways that directly impact their bottom line. Yeah. Can you expand on that a little bit? Because I think for a lot of the folks who leverage, you know, third-party cookies to great effect, might I add, I mean, you Mm -hmm. know, uh, cookies, obviously setting aside that bunch of the, the downsides of that from an advertising perspective, they're extremely effective, you know, for advertisers and there's something that, that everybody's using uh, mm-hmm. or a lot of most everyone is using. And so as this, as this shifts, as this goes away, you know, people are, are looking to change. And, and you mentioned some of the things like data hydration and things like that. Like, wh- what does that sort of stuff mean um, for advertisers? You know, it starts really with our proprietary data structure. We have a multi-sourced identity and, and multi-sourced data graphs. And the refined profiles within the identity graph really provide more precise audience views than the generalized market approach, which I think people are using in a cookie world. You know, it gives clients the foundation um, and a wide range of capabilities, right? To, first of all, you know, kind of enrich their customer intelligence in a format that they can use and recognize. We have a variety of unique identifiers really available for activation that completely eliminate the reliance on third-party cookies. And um, we have the ability to understand which IDs are converting at the business level, either that's like for sales, for subscription, et cetera, and what mix of media kind of helped drive that conversion. Like, for example, in terms of, you know, how our clients would use it, you know, we have our streaming clients, for instance, that like regularly use our attribution to track viewership and, and exposure kind of related to linear viewership and streaming subscriptions. You know, recently, we just leveraged first and third party data to make connections needed to show a significant lift in post-exposure streaming subscriptions um, from tactics that they were testing, right? And it's the same team then that's also using our platform to uh, use our audience builder to generate IDs for analysis and activation and, you know, really to kind of boost target accuracy, you know, by integrating historical viewing data, analyzing, you know, similar programming and modeling look-like audiences. So I think it really takes you far beyond just the very generalized world um, in a cookie world today that we're able to do and that, and that you know, ID-based uh, marketing strategies can kind of deliver. Well, one of the things that, you know, we've talked to a bunch of advertisers about on this show is mm-hmm. the fact that they don't have first-party data. But, you know, somebody that is, you know, selling their products in Best Buys and Walmarts and whatever it is, maybe it's a CPG product or whatever, mm-hmm. um, they don't have uh, direct-to-consumer motion at all. And they really don't have a lot and they really rely on the networks to provide that information. It's, mm-hmm. which is, 
pretty <laughs> like when when cookies go away, you know, those people are are really scared. Yeah. Um, and you talked about these refined profiles like, well, I guess the first part is what do you think is the future for those type of people who don't have first party information? Should they be trying to build up that capacity or is it enough to, for right now to partner with someone like you? How, how should they think about that? So it's a great question. Um, I, I think they should be doing both, frankly. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's always valuable and important uh, to be building up your first party data. But, you know, if you can't, you could work with someone like us. Um, we have something called, you know, smart attributes, which we uh, utilize as kind of a single source of truth in a world that has historically not trusted third party data uh, and, and is moving to a state in many cases where first party data isn't available, to your point. So marketers are going to have to um, you know, choose you know, third party data or move to maybe you know, probabilistic strategies. Um, but we think marketers are going to need both options. And so we offer something called smart attributes, as I said, which are um, our clients answer to the need for a single source of truth from third party data. So you know, they don't have their first party data, they can come to us or we can utilize their first party data and also layer it on top of smart attributes and hydrate you know, their first party data to help them really truly understand more about their first party data. You know, the way we're, we're, we're utilizing um, smart attributes, so they're really our proprietary attributes and they're, they're derived from us layering data across third party data sources. So you know, we believe they become the most intelligent data part, points on the market. Um, they do a lot of things. They you know, eliminate bias from single individual data providers. Um, you know, they broaden data coverage and accuracy, and they really you know, fuel intelligence. So you know, I, I think that both if you don't have first-party data, this is a great solution for you. If you do have first-party data, um, we can take your first-party data. We can hydrate it. We can help you understand more. In fact, we have one client that um, you know, during the pandemic had a huge increase in their customer base. And they were trying to understand is that, are we actually creating and finding new customers or are we just accelerating our existing trajectory? And we could, by basically utilizing you know, our smart attributes and hydrating their first party data, help them understand changes that were actually occurring in the acquisition of their customers so that they could actually determine what was happening, number one, and number two, make sure that then they're targeting the right people to help continue to accelerate that growth versus just you know, stealing from what would have happened anyway. So it's that type of activity that whether you have first party data or whether uh, you don't, you can still benefit in this marketplace. Yeah, that's fascinating um, and super helpful, obviously. Uh, mm -hmm. I'm curious, when you talk about these profiles, mm -hmm. uh, the refined profiles that you all create, would this be, I know there's proprietary stuff, so you can't share everything, but um, is this something like, you know, this is, you know, guy in his mid thirties who just had a baby, uh, who, you know, hosts a marketing podcast. Like what, what, what are these profiles looking like? How are, are they B2C focused? Are they B2B focused? Like what, what goes into that? Mm -hmm. So it, it sounds like it might be a familiar person you're talking about. Um, <laughs> um, you know, we have, um, you know, profiles on not just, you know, it's not just demographic profiles. It's yeah. specific to, you know, what you're doing, where you're visiting. Um, and again, all completely anonymized, all completely um, CCPA compliant, yeah. um, SOC compliant, you know, com completely um, anonymized information. But were you a gym goer and did you just buy, you know, do you have a propensity to buy a car in the next 12 months or have you just purchased a car or, 
have you just purchased diapers? You know, we have um, a lot of um, specific information. And, and, and again, our smart attributes, you know, help make that information a single source of truth. And with that, we can then kind of subdivide and segment different, you know, knowledge and behavior and outcomes of maybe what that particular person is doing. And we can create uh, machine learning algorithms um, that then train on finding more people and more lookalikes in a much more specific manner, right? Than kind of, you, you know, your general, you know, understanding of demographics today. So not only do you have a better understanding of who your customer is, how it's changing, but then how to, you know, truly segment and create, um, you know, machine learning intelligence behind it and train to be smarter, to go seek even better and more effective, um, you know, consumers that are going to have a greater LTV. I love it. I'm taking, taking notes as, as we're chatting here, because this is great stuff. You know, we talked about on the show in the past, this idea, demographics being outdated. And, and you, well, you told me, you spent a lot of years uh, in TV, uh, the demographics, whether it's like Nielsen or, or, or whatever, the, the way that we are tracking people who are watching was just really nowhere near as sophisticated as something like your solution is now, right? Mm -hmm. And we kind of got to this point where it's just, it's outdated, it's old, and it's, and it's not necessarily very helpful. Um, mm -hmm. And how we measured listeners and the accuracy of those things also weren't very transparent or, or, or accurate necessarily. So going forward in this new version, if you're thinking about buying media or mm -hmm. buying or spending money in different places, if what you're getting back is like, hey, well, what are the demographics? And they're like 80% you know, dads in the age between 25 and 40, you know, like those kind of traditional things. Like I'd imagine as a marketer, you go back and be like, that's not good enough for me anymore. Right? No, it's not. It's, it's not because um, you're missing a, a lot of, um, you know, different nuances that, you know, like I said, you know, and, and you're going to be ineffective. And, you know, the key is to create business outcomes. And so, you know, if you can take and further segment those audiences into truly nuanced differences and identify the likelihood to convert to whatever it is that your KPI is, you know, you're going to be significantly more efficient, significantly more effective, create significantly greater business outcomes, and ultimately, you know, a much stronger, you know, customer lifetime value. Um, so yeah, the, you know, standard um, demographics, you know, are very outdated way of looking at and targeting audiences for success. You know, when, when we're talking to people, um, a lot of times you talk about this like black box and some of the ways that you've been explaining this has, has been really helpful. But if, you know, if, if someone to, were to, to go to you and say, hey, hey, Chris, and what do you do? It might feel a little bit like this kind of like black box or where it's like, okay, well, they have all this proprietary information and, and profiles and all this stuff, but at the end of the day, they you know they have to they have to trust that all this stuff is true, which is obviously you know similar to to the way I think maybe cybersecurity was in in earlier days, where it's like, is this stuff working? How do I know? You know all that stuff, and then mm -hmm. the proof is in the campaign. The proof is in. Mm -hmm. Okay, well now we're seeing you know two x lift or or whatever it is. Mm -hmm. How do you kind of address those type of of like concerns when people are like, oh, this sounds like you're doing all this amazing stuff. How do we prove that it's working or something like that? I guess I could answer that by just say, uh, saying, first of all, that um, 
it was on one of your podcasts recently, um, you know, and I also had read somewhere that like, you know, two thirds of, of marketers are, are not satisfied with the use of data, yeah. you know, in their marketing and media efforts. Um, and most of that likely stems from things that basically are created from black box to, you know, transparency. So, you know, they have struggles in the gap in data visibility and accuracy. They have, you know, data sources that are siloed. They have you know, difficult to connect, you know, and, and really high data and usability costs. And so I think maybe if I give you an example of what we do and how we are transparent, you know, that can answer your question of how you can gain more understanding and more confidence in, you know, what kind of the, the, the outcomes that we're coming up with versus um, the black box technology. So, you know, we had a client who moved away from black boxes um, and it's, it's helped them really address um, a lot of the issues that I just talked about. Um, and they're working with us. Um, you know, it's a Adidas fitness client that really could have gone anywhere to understand data about its customers and especially new customers that, you know, they suspected were different from their base. And, and they came to us because they were able to enrich their anonymized email sets with more intelligent data. Um, you know, some of the smart attributes that I was talking about, and they were able to do it at the record level, right? So that they could then re-ingest the findings into their internal tools, you know? And so not only could they recognize, you know, the number of IDs that actually doubled the number of IDs that they could recognize before, because our average match rates are about 30 to 40%, which is more than double the industry standard. Wow. Um, you know, we've re- also increased the number of attributes that they can learn about their audiences. So they can get 10x the attributes about your audiences. And they're not going to get that in, in a black box world. So they know more about their customers in a way that they control, can really can control within their own system. You know, and then they can share insights across multiple teams and verticals within their organization to inform business decisions across their organization, which is really important to cutting down those silos. You know, and because our business model is is very different from the rest of the market, they're also able to do all those things um, at a fraction of the cost that they were, you know, paying previously. So, you know, I, I guess to answer your question, you know, the proof is in the pudding. Yeah. Um, come to us and we'll show you. Um, but we have great examples of people who were very frustrated about, you know, black box technologies and are really benefiting from transparent services and their ability to truly know more than they knew before, and then to break down the silos, to be able to more effectively work across all their teams, um, you know, and align them so that they're all running to the same drumbeat. Switching gears to, to your days uh, at, at MTV and at Viacom, mm-hmm. yeah. uh, any, any fun stories or any crazy campaigns or, or stuff that, uh, from your days there that uh, obviously, you know, in, in 20 plus years, I'm sure you came across a lot. Oh, well, I have so many stories. <laughs> I don't know where, where to actually begin. Um, one of my favorite, though, experiences was, was always the music. It was always about the music. And um, I remember one time we were doing a show. It, was, it had um, Elton John and um, Ryan Adams were, were the two people that were supposed to come, to get, come together and do the show together. It was, there were always small venues, maybe 100 people. And Ryan ended up getting sick when he uh, was just about ready to, to come out on stage. And so Elton John, you know, being the professional that he is, ended up coming out and saying, you know, we can't do the taping. I'm here. You're here. You know, let's just, let's just spend some time together. And so he spent uh, probably two and a half hours, you know, just playing for us and singing to us and talking to us 
um, with about 100 people there together. So, you know, it was those kind of experiences um, that were pretty amazing. And then it was those experiences from a musical perspective that we were able to bring to the audience. And, and I think that was um, one of the most compelling and enriching and fulfilling parts of, 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 of working there is really where you're able to connect with the audience in a super authentic way and kind of move them. And the brand was incredibly meaningful, you know, for that reason. Were you involved at all in pop-up video? <laughs> I was not involved in creating it, but um, I was one, uh, I was there while it was uh, created and um, the first version of it. And then the second version of it as well, because we had a couple of different versions. Yeah. And it was kind of the, uh, the early, early stages of social media really, wasn't it? Totally. Well, you know, it's funny. I remember this is like, you know, how there's always, always um, big, you know, rights battles over in sports because they want basically bars and restaurants and all these people want to, uh, are going to have sports on, you know, all the time. That's why, you know, like baseball is such a big deal is because you get all these games, they can always have stuff on and all that stuff. I always felt like pop-up video was always on, on mute in bars because um, mm-hmm. you could sit there and the TV would be on and they'd be playing whatever music, uh, you know, over the, over the loudspeakers. Mm-hmm. And then you, but you'd be able to see all the comments and it's like, you're totally right. It, it really was, you know, you could imagine those, those same uh, sort of things happening on your Instagram feed right now, right? You're listening on mute while you're sitting in class or whatever. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Well, and I have, uh, I have a 14 year old and a 16 year old who, who tend to do that no matter where they are and no matter what you're, what you're talking about or what you're doing, they, they are, they are doing exactly that. So um, yeah, but it was very, it was very, uh, very kind of disruptive and forward looking. And, uh, and I think that at the time people didn't even realize how smart and, and advanced you know, that, that entire experience was. We had someone who, who was involved in pop-up video back in the day on the podcast mm-hmm. uh, a number of times ago. And it's just, it's one of those things that I, I love shows like that, that were so simple and smart. And like, it's the most simple, like log line, right? It's like music videos with like little facts about them, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, mm-hmm. it's such a great companion piece to, to something. And I love, I just love stuff like that. It's great. How, how involved were you in the creation of, of shows and, and, uh, and things like that? It depends um, on the timing. So, you know, when, when I was um, in the digital, running the digital side of the business, um, I was running all of the content in addition to all the platform, all the engineering. You know, I was very involved with MTV News. I oversaw MTV News. I oversaw, you know, not only all the content creation for our platforms, but all the partnerships with Snapchat, you know, Facebook, uh, I was um, kind of creating those. And you know, of course, YouTube, I was creating all of the content. My team was creating all the content to uh, try to really extend the brand you mm-hmm. know, beyond the linear television and, and extend the authentic experience and relationship with the customers across all of those different platforms. Um, you know, when I was the CEO of MTV, um, I was really doing the business side of the business. And um, you know, the, the folks that were creating the linear television were doing most of the content creation. So I did a little bit of both. Well, and so, and I'm curious, like how much on the business side you're involved in the content side, because it's something as someone who, who does, mm-hmm. uh, uh, does this for podcasts for a living. Um, mm-hmm. I always find that, you know, the best folks, the best business folks are the, are, are the folks who can either get out of the way of the, of the content creators or have an eye and an ear for what is great. You know, there's a, there's a great, um, 
there's a great quote from uh, the former CEO of ESPN where he was talking about how one of the one of his things looking back that he regrets about ESPN was he was like we had so much programming and I spent any second I watched programming I wanted to watch ESPN because all of my people were doing it like I want to watch what they're doing it's like but I wasn't watching everything else and it's mm-hmm. like. He's like, he kind of talked about how he kind of like lost touch a little bit with like what were new things coming out. And I kind of think of that as like the business side where you want to see what other people are doing and creating, not just what you're creating in-house um, because that is, you know, revenue streams and figuring out new things. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, like you have to trust your content creators to, to make amazing stuff. Well, I, I don't, I, th- I think you, you, you can do both. And I, and I think we always did both uh, very effectively. You know, you have to be very focused on what you're doing and you have to, you know, manage your true north and manage to, you know, what your your fans and your consumers care about and want. But you have to be incredibly uh, knowledgeable about all of the places they're consuming content. Mm-hmm. And you have to make sure that the content that you're creating is resonating across all of those platforms and that you're not just taking, you know, your form of content creation and your form of communication and trying to overlay it onto the platform in your way because it won't work. I mean, yeah. we, we had incredibly different formats, you know, for Snapchat, you know, versus YouTube versus Twitter, even in our content formats. And we were, we were very platform um, intentional about how we created content and how we distributed content. And uh, I think that if you're not doing that, um, you're not going to resonate because you can't just you know ubiquitously distribute that content everywhere and expect that people are going to consume it and you know just be, just because you're you or just because your brand is your brand you know i mean it's like you spend so much time and effort building a brand like we just take pop up video for example mm-hmm. you spend so much time and effort building a brand for this right everybody mm-hmm. knows it if they if it's flashed across their their screen they would know exactly what it is mm-hmm. so to think about how to do derivative content is really important because you've already built this brand. But like you said, it has to be made for that medium, uh, mm-hmm. which is, you know, totally different. How do we tell a story in 15 seconds mm-hmm. when we used to tell it in, you know, two and a half minutes or whatever? That's right. I mean, and that's, that's what, I mean, that is really what my job was for many years when I was running um, all of the digital entities across all of the music and entertainment groups. So I always used to say, uh, you know, they're the telephone. These, the, all of these outlets are the telephone. We're the conversation. Mm-hmm. Right? But you have to then make sure that the conversation resonates, you know, through the telephone. So I always, we'd always go with the, with, with the philosophy that if we were creating content that was authentic and resonating with people, you could do whatever you wanted with it. So at the time when I was there, I kept all of social within kind of the, the content side of the business instead of the marketing side of the business. Because mm-hmm. I felt that if you created that authentic relationship, then you could use it to do whatever you wanted. You could use it to market. You could use it to announce new endeavors. You could, you know, you could, you could do whatever you want because you've really created that connection. And it always worked. And we ended up you know, having a very robust relationship with our customers across and our, our fans across every every platform. I think that's the right way to look at it. And I think that that's the way, I think that marketers, this role of the content marketer, which is like a new, new-ish thing, you know, I mean, content mm-hmm. marketing has been around a hundred years, but this content marketing role is new, but that's a great way of looking at it is like, 
all of the stuff that we're creating is supposed to live on its own. It's not supposed to be just like a channel to to pump marketing stuff into. It's exactly. supposed to be add value in and of itself. You know, we talked about like the 80-20 rule, you know, that you post things that add value eight, eight times out of 10 and the other two times you can you can sell. Well, the other piece of that is you need to be engaging probably for every 10 times you post, uh, you need to be engaging probably 90 times right. uh, across the internet. And that's like just such a different muscle for marketers to figure out mm-hmm. than it used to be, which is like buying ad space. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Any piece of advice for a marketer who's trying to figure out content strategy or, or, or make original content? Well, I mean, my, my biggest um, advice is to not look at it as, as marketing. <laughs> look at it as content. Make sure the story arc works. Make sure it's compelling. Treat it, you know, each individually as, 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 a, as a separate piece of, of content and be authentic to the platform. And if you do that, you will have a relationship with your consumers that you can then speak to them in any way and they will trust you. I love it. Let's get into our final segment here, uh, our lightning round. As always, Marketing Trends is brought to you by Salesforce. You can go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more about marketing built on the world's number one CRM. That is Salesforce. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing. They've been with us for a million downloads so far uh, and uh, and hundreds and hundreds of episodes. We love Salesforce. Go to salesforce.com slash marketing to learn more. Lightning round questions. Kristen, are you ready? Sure. Number one, you were at MTV for a while. What was your favorite music video? Well, it had to be probably Video Killed the Radio Star. The <laughs> first it. video ever played on MTV 40 years ago. Exactly. To almost to the day. What a perfect uh, time to have you on the show. Um, What do you do for fun? I uh, love to uh, cycle. I love to, uh, I'm a big boater um, and I love to garden. If you weren't in marketing, what do you think you'd be doing? If I wasn't in marketing, I'd probably be um, a landscape architect. Love it. That's so, that's very precise and technical, like your, like your marketing chops here. Mm -hmm. What? TV show or book or podcast or something are, are you currently uh, checking out? TV show. I love, um, there's some, some great shows out there. Um, the great on Hulu was very good. I enjoyed that about Catherine, the great, um, kind of from a millennial perspective, very dark comedy. I think maybe that's some of the MTV in me coming out. <laughs> <laughs> um, and, uh, podcast. I love your podcast. Oh, thanks. <laughs> Listen to it all the time. Um, yeah, and I, I listen to the Daily, um, New York Times, quite a bit, and then uh, of course Shit's Creek is my favorite show. So good. Time. Yeah. Best advice for a first-time CEO? I would say enthusiasm. Nothing great was ever created without enthusiasm. Make sure that uh, you're also completely focused on your culture because your people are your most important asset. What is next? What is on the horizon for Ad Predictive? For ad predictive, I feel like we're already, um, I think we feel like we have the right solutions already. I feel like we're ahead of the industry and in what we're doing. And we've been focusing a lot on growing the company and increasing our profitability. Um, and so at this juncture, we're really focused on scaling, letting more people know about what we do and our, our solutions and um, accelerating the right solutions in the marketplace. And 
some of the really cool things that we've done. We just recently hired um, somebody uh, who was a former FBI intelligence manager. Um, his name is Travis Rhodes to, to drive uh, and run our EVP of intelligence and data ops. So that's a pretty cool kind of background and, and focus. You know, we're focused on automation and the use of machine learning throughout the platform. We are um, interestingly seeing our clients extend the use of intelligence beyond marketing in areas of their business, which is really creative. It's, you know, from cross-departmental insights to informing, you know, CFOs messaging to shareholders about what their clients are and who their clients are and how they're they're changing. And um, amid all of this, we're also focused now on extending the platform um, to a really broad base of industries. So sports, retail, automotive, finance, um, it's, it's relevant across every single, every single industry um, and every single platform. Awesome. Thanks so much for, for joining. We really appreciate it. It's been awesome to have you on the show. Uh, for our listeners, go to adproductive.com to learn more. Uh, any final thoughts? Anything, uh, anything to plug here? No, I think that uh, pretty much uh, does it. We, I really appreciate your time, and I appreciate all you all you guys do. Um, you know, trying to to really help educate um, the world and and about marketing. And you know, I think I guess the one thing I'd say is you know, this is the era of I know. So don't operate in a world uh, where you don't know. You know, come to us and let's talk. I love it. Awesome. Thanks, Kristen. All right. Thank you so much. You have eight seconds to make a connection or risk a click away onto the next topic. The difference lies in your ability to deliver relevant experiences to your audience across devices and across channels. But delivering on a really great experience is impossible without the right people and the right technology. You've got the right people, but your technology choices will make or break someone's experience with your brand. At the center of gravity of your digital experience, Brightspot Content Management System can deliver relevant content, personalized experiences, and cross-channel synergies to create unforgettable brand experiences. So you can be a bright spot in someone's day. Head over to brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends to find out right now. From global crisis to hunger relief efforts, The messages you deliver save lives, inform important decision-making, and help keep communities safe and sound. The speed and scale of your content needs to be delivered faster and on a much larger scale. Brightspot Content Management System has supported some of the world's largest brands to communicate on a global scale. From Johnson & Johnson sharing critical information with their customers to helping Whole Foods tell their brand story to a global audience. Brightspot is designed to handle rapid iteration and personalized messages to those you care about most. Learn more at brightspot.com forward slash marketing trends.